Welcome to Settle Smart, a podcast where we talk about how an injured person can build a safe and secure financial future after a legal settlement. You'll hear stories from people who structured their settlement money tax-free, along with the professionals who create a custom solution that brings peace of mind. This podcast is brought to you by the National Structured Settlements Trade Association, a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating and advocating for injured people. Now we'll turn it over to our Settle Smart podcast host, Executive Director Eric Vaughn. Welcome, everyone. I'm Eric Vaughn, and I'm really excited today to have with us as our guest on the Settle Smart, the NASTA podcast uh, series, uh, Christy Freed with Continental Trust and Cameron Lindahl with CPT Institute. Cameron, before we get started, I just have to say congratulations. I understand you've just gotten married. (laughs) I have. Thank you. Well, that's very, very exciting. Congratulations. Um, There are so many issues that confront... um, structured settlement consultants, uh, people in the NSSTA, um, lawyers, attorneys, uh, and others. But there's probably nothing that vexes, confuses, challenges people more um, than the issue of a special needs trust. Add on top of that the the new ABLE Acts, ABLE accounts and what's available there. Add on top of that federal government benefits. You two are experts in all three areas. So I'd like you to start, if you would. Tell me a little bit about your background, Christy, um, as a trust expert. How did you come to possess all knowing, available information on three of the most complex, controversial, and important subjects for structured settlement consultants, lawyers, and others? (laughs) How about that for a second? Yeah, what a a weighty, heavy uh, segue. So about 12 years ago, I... um, I started serving as a private fiduciary for families that were settling uh, physical injury claims. And in my work uh, involving that, you know, you you start very quickly working with the Medicaid agencies and the different federal government benefits that are available across this nation. And very, very quickly you realize, wait a minute, these, these may be federal laws, but you also have some state Uh, laws that need to be considered, and then you get to California, and you have county laws that need to be considered, and then you have bureaucracies um, with turnover, with individuals that are working, even within the system, where they're trying to implement programs that are put together, Um, and then they leave, they take promotions, and then a whole new crop of people come in, and they get confused. So, you know, I think it's, it's a lot of uh, trial and error, but um, I can tell you one of the greatest things that I think our country has done is put together the ABLE Act, and I think it is very conducive for the structured settlement industry and also extraordinarily beneficial for the injured parties. Great. Cameron? Yeah, I, I think really what it is is she said it. She hit it right on the head when she said trial and error. It really is just exposure. And I think that's what makes it so difficult for settlement consultants is that they may only see a couple of these cases per year. And just knowing to stay diligent and try to keep you know, these, some notes on this and refer back to it from time to time I think is just so important. But again, like what Christy said, I think there's, you still need to have somebody in your corner that you can rely on because of how it's layered, that there's different uh, rules per state and sometimes even per county. Let me focus a little bit of attention on trusts. Um, 
There are people in the structured settlements industry, I'm not going to name names, who regard uh, a trust as an alien subject or alien object, something to be avoided, something not understood. Um, structure all the money, get everything into a structured settlement. Uh, there are people in the industry who are coming to completely recognize that trusts play an incredibly valuable role um, in the settlement of a case, but also for the benefit or of the injured claimant. How does a trust uh, fit into a settlement process? And do structured settlement consultants today fully appreciate the value of the utility that a trust brings to a case? Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things that, that I always say to anybody that I'm working with is, let's not get offended. What we're doing right now is we're talking to some people and talking to families and, and structured settlement consultants and saying, yeah, it's not going to be easy to put another layer of um, checks and balances in between somebody and their money. But the fact is, we've got to weigh out the pros and cons. What are the benefits of having that trust in place? Are we protecting them? Are we giving them access to future benefits that are going to pay for things that they don't need to use their settlement monies for? So it's on a case-by-case -case basis that you really want to look at it. But I believe that you know, using trust in this industry has grown exponentially over the last, dare I say, five years. I mean, you know, when I was doing this back you know, 15 years ago, it was a one-off here and there. But now, as more and more people in our country, especially now that we're talking so um, frequently about the health care, what some of the candidates may or may not be introducing, how we're all going to be getting our doctor's appointments, um, using a trust is another tool to actually utilize the structured settlement product more efficiently, in my opinion. Yeah, when I th when I w when you were proposing this question, I thought back to kind of some of the history of structured settlements and how it's supposed to benefit the injured party. And if we're not considering trust and their part and the, what they play and how they play into the settlement process, I think we're missing out on a huge chunk of why we should be getting up every morning to do this work if you're a settlement consultant. And I think that if you're not considering it, um, you're going to be left in the, in the dust, really, of folks that are. It is something you will have. It's only going to become more and more prevalent, given this, the current political situation. How does a structured settlement um, consultant today find a professional like one or the two of you? How, does, how do you market yourself? How do you make yourself um, available? Is you, do you just come to meetings and put your card out there? Do you get involved in cases? How do you, how do you get involved in the structured settlement, uh, settlement case? involving a plaintiff attorney, a plaintiff consultant, and an injured party? Well, I, I think that, like, Christy's been in this space much longer than I have been, and, and so she knows better than anyone about how we have to build trust first. Exactly. And that's, and that's obviously the foundation. And then we can go out from there. But I think that Christy's done an amazing job, and, and multiple others have, in terms of building that trust over a period of time and, and getting the thumbs up from a colleague or something like that probably goes a long way. Well, thank you. Um, you. You know, and to build upon that, a lot of it is a referral business. You know, there are a lot of entities out there that serve as trustee, whether they're a trust company or whether they're private fiduciaries, corporate trustee, um, that quite frankly don't think very highly of structured settlements, and they come in in a very... Um, in a position where they want to fight. Everybody wants to fight over control of the money. Let's fight about the settlement. Let's, let's bring our opposing viewpoints where you show only a structured settlement annuity, but I have 
no-load mutual funds, ETFs. We've got a stock market that's been, you know, a banner year, except for this week. Um, and, and that plays into it to let our, our colleagues know here at the National Structured Settlements Trade Association, we're here with you on a day-to-day -day basis. We're fighting the fight. We understand the product. We use the product. We are the trustees. We're responsible. We hold all the liability for where the money is managed and how that money is spent. And it's up to us to make sure that those dollars that go out the door from the trust don't impact the injured party negatively for any of their health care, some of their SSI benefits. And we could go on and on and on. But my suggestion is, and what I tell people is, you know me, you know Cameron, call us. The worst thing that we can say is, hey, this doesn't look like a good fit for you. Or I wish you had called me when, well, before this got thrown uh, sure. in the canker. Uh, one issue, you brought it up, is sort of this, this, this acrimony and the debate in the industry. There seems to be a tremendous lack of trust, confidence um, on both sides, structured settlement consultants, special needs attorneys. Why is that? Is the same control issue? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think... Um, you know, one of the themes that I've been working on for the past two or three years now is a misunderstanding of definition of terms and, quite frankly, miscommunication. Um, you say beneficiary in a room filled with NASTA members, and they can talk ad nauseum about the beneficiaries of the annuity, who what's going to happen when the annuitant dies, where the money's going to flow, and this, that, and the other thing. You walk into a special needs attorney's conference and you say beneficiary, and they're talking about the injured party. Right. And so it's, that's just one simple example, but it goes on and on. And, you know, another uh, stumbling block I've seen recently uh, since the enactment of the ABLE Act is the definition of income. So security administration has one definition of income, and the IRS has a completely different definition. And what does that mean to our product? Are we going to answer that? Are we going to solve it? How are we going to combat that? How are we going to translate that so that we find a working solution for all of the parties involved in settlement? Um, my response isn't going to be as polite, I would say. So I think what the real issue is when you ask that question is that special needs planning attorneys care most about the injured person. And settlement consultants through the years have gotten the reputation, some of them, right, that they're just about that money. And so that, I think, is the heart of it. And it, it's not necessarily nice to talk about. But I think that folks just have to remember that their actions, though it may just be on one case, they're going to remember that. And so we all have to behave in a way where we are putting the injured party first. And, and also, Eric, just to add on, right. it's also because um, some trust attorneys get paid in the same way settlement consultants do. And what I mean by that is based on controlling where the funds go. So you're always going to have that adversarial relationship. But I think the biggest thing is making sure that we're getting into those groups and talking about the advantages of structures. Because I go to all those conferences, and they talk about investing, investing, investing. And a lot of the times there's not folks up there talking about the advantages of structuring future caregiving and things like that. You know, you, you mentioned, Christy, when you first started something, one of the great accomplishments in the last several years, uh, the adoption of the ABLE accounts and passes of the ABLE Act. It, that is an example where 
special needs attorneys, the special needs alliance, all the disability groups, the structured settlements industry, all came together to work toward the passage of something. It's not perfect. It's not finished. It's not done. But it's an enormously powerful um, accomplishment. Do you see um, the structured settlements industry knowledgeably aware of the beneficial opportunities both for structured settlements but also for the ABLE account owners, recipients, um, of utilizing a structure in the context of an ABLE account? Well, I think, I, I think with any new product, the ABLE account came in at a high level, and we had our board of directors, and we had our lawyers, and we had our lobbyists working with different teams around the country to make sure that they put together a program that was going to be beneficial for these individuals to get some money in their hands, some control in their lives. Some, Quite frankly, a lot of it has to do with ego. A lot of it, you know, a, a lot of people need some money that they can spend on their behalf that's not all locked away. So we've gone through phase one, right? We've got the ABLE account set up. We have different ABLE accounts around the country on a state-by-state -state basis. So now we're entering into phase two. What did we miss? Did we miss something in the legislation? Should we change the age from injury at 26 to 40? Should we say something about maybe the difference between an annuity and a structured settlement annuity? When do we start talking about contract ownership? The list goes on and on. But to go back to your question, I know this is a long-winded answer, so I apologize to both of you. We're getting there. And as a matter of fact, today, Cameron and I are here to speak to the group and we are going to touch about ABLE accounts and spreading more information and educating our members. Yeah, I think, I think one big thing to add about the ABLE accounts is that you don't necessarily have to write into law that you can structure into it. Many of the programs you can still structure into now, but the big risk is that we often find that a lot of these cases for folks that are qualifying for ABLEs are minors, and so you can't... Uh, most states require some sort of guardianship for the payments to be made into or some sort of settlement management or minors trust to be used. Um, so just I think part of it is also having encouraging consultants to reach out to the local ABLE, ABLE account providers and seeing if that's an option. There is an annual meeting coming up in this association. It's in the end of April, April 29, 30, May 1. And, and you're the Education Committee co-chair, Christy, and on that agenda, which is, I think, one of the best, strongest ones uh, your committee's ever put together, uh, there is a session uh, that came together late, but as it's beginning to be understood what this session's all about, it's gaining incredible interest. We've gotten half a dozen calls today in the D.C. office asking us about this session. Um, it's a how-to session. How to what, Christy? How to, how to share a wealth of knowledge from people that have been practicing in this industry and in this space to some of the new talent that's coming up. Um, how to give real world examples and charts and decision trees and one pagers that aren't cumbersome, that don't involve reading volumes of laws that have been passed on a Congress level or reading a white paper that's been done to discuss the effects of beneficiary designations, ABLE accounts, special needs trust, Medicare set-asides. I think what's going on is that the team that is going to the annual meeting to put together a, a real kind of workshop to say, look, here we are. 
We're all sitting back. We're all going to take some information from this, this conference back to our desks. Here are some of the things, some rules of thumb, uh, some life hacks that are going to make your practice easier for you to navigate today so that we want to make sure we can have an effective we want to we want to make sure we give information for somebody that's effective when they go back to the office the next morning one of our um, presidents of one of our biggest uh, structured settlement companies um, cornered me last evening and we were talking about this session and he wants to know how long it's going to be scheduled in the agenda and i said that's what do you mean he goes well it starts at uh, 11. Does it end at, what, 3, 4? And I started to realize, I, I think we've just put a lion on the agenda. And it's, it's something that I, I know both of you are, maybe you don't appreciate the fact that you're both really excellent teachers, but you're, you're expert in a field where there's an industry hungry for the knowledge that you have and your ability to explain that in a forum like our annual meeting and meetings like this one here in, in Las Vegas is extremely valuable. But I'm finding that the younger people in our industry not only are hungry, they're adept, they're moving, they're very aggressively focused on it. Do you see a generational challenge in our industry as older members who've been structures, 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 that's the agenda, and the rest of the industry is we want to be full service professional advocates for our clients. Wow, you want to address that first? I don't, want, I don't want to answer that question, by the way, just so you know. Yeah, so I, I think that if you, if you have a stream of income coming in and you're used to doing it a certain way, there's not a whole lot of incentive to change, right? So I, I think that what I would say to some of the folks that, that are more resistant to learn new content is just why did you originally get into this industry and what are the cases that really bring you enjoyment that you reflect on? And I guarantee you it's the ones where they felt they really did a service to that client. And I think not taking the time to learn this is, is not only hurting your business, but it's also hurting the trade association. Let me end our you know, podcast interview, if, if it's, you guys have been great to talk as long as we have, um, and focus a little bit on government benefits. Um, in Washington, the, the policy debate is uh, focused either on cutting them or expanding them, but it's money. Um, you two are on the front lines of making certain that clients that are accepting, getting, are eligible for benefits, are fully advantaged in taking advantage of those, and consultants are aware of what that whole playing field looks like. Is it getting more complicated uh, to keep track of government benefits, less complicated? Are more people aware of what they should be asking their clients? And is there a checklist that they could follow from you? Do they get veterans' benefits? Are they on Medicaid? Is it that simple, or is it case-by-case Demanding and commanding. I think it's. I, th I think it's both. I mean, I think you do start with a checklist um, to get yourself familiar with the concepts. Familiar with, you know, I'd be interested to know. Maybe today I might ask the group. You know, I'd like any of you to name six government benefits. You know, once we take off the first two, Medicare and Medicaid, what else you got? Anybody know what what SNAP is? Anybody know what TANF stands for? Can we protect it? Can, is there anything we can do collectively? Um, so I, yeah, I do. I, you, everybody's got a starting point. Everybody has an intake form. Everybody I've ever worked with for the last 20 years has some sort of place. You know, what's your date of birth? When's your injury? What's your name? Your address? Where do you live? What county are you from? 
let's see your, your government benefit check. You know, if you're working with Mr. Korch, you get to bring out your Medicare card to prove it's red, white, and blue. And, you know, you go from there. It's not, I don't want people to be, throw up their hands, you know, and say, this is not what I do. I work in annuities. I know how to work with a plaintiff attorney or a claims adjuster, and I can show them the value of how we can take that money and bridge the gap in settlement. Right. Yes, you do. And you have teammates, and we're here, and we support you, and we support this product, and we support this business. And together, you're going to quarterback a team that's going to bring it out even more. Yeah, I, I think I think it's getting easier to ha- to start the conversation because greater awareness is happening among the workers' comp and liability attorneys. But that doesn't. But I would say that in terms of complexity, the benefits are going to always probably continue to get more complex, and there's going to be more nuances as able accounts and other things get added. Um, but I, I still think that it's much easier to start having the conversation now. It's used to be, and I, and I shouldn't speak for Christy. Christy could tell you is that I think it used to be a lot harder to introduce the concept of a special needs trust than what it is now. You two have been terrific. Thank you for being part of the Settle Smart uh, podcast, the new NSSTA podcast. And I thank you both for taking the time. It was great to have a chance to talk with both of you. Thank you, Christy. Thank you, Cameron. Thank, thank you, Eric. Eric. Thanks for listening to Settle Smart, a podcast from the National Structured Settlements Trade Association. We invite you to visit our website at nssta.com to find out more about our members and our mission to help you settle smart.